Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Medcalf, founder of X-Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Today, I speak with Thomas Crary, who is the CEO of Pond5. That's the world's largest content marketplace for video content. They have over 100,000 creators. And we talk about his learning curve as CEO. He he was what he calls a non-traditional CFO. And it was that fact of being non-traditional and doing things a bit differently that landed him the CEO role. So we'll talk about what he did and how you can apply the same approach. Uh, we also got into the difficult decisions that he had to make pretty much immediately upon arriving in the CEO seat, why it was important to act quickly, and what he did that actually unlocked talent within the business in a new way. This is a great conversation. Uh, Thomas has got a lot of uh, interesting ideas to share. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Thomas Crary of Pond5. Hi, Thomas, and welcome to the show. Hi, Richard. Good to be here. Hey, Tommy, it's great to have you today. You're the CEO of Pond5, which is a content marketplace for filmmakers. I think you said you've got uh, over 100,000 creators on this platform. And you took over as CEO a couple of years ago, right, Uh, in having been CFO. So you've had an interesting transition, having to step up perhaps from a bunch of peers on the executive team to being the, the, the leader. And so really keen to kind of jump into the learning curve with you today and uh, and see what you've got to, to tell us. Awesome. Thanks for having me. So let, let's just start. Um, perhaps just give us a bit of a background of, um, you know, again, perhaps in your own words, you know, what's Pond5? Just give us a sense of the business. And then, you know, how is it that you ended up uh, coming on board in the first place? Yeah, so um, Pond5 is the world's largest marketplace for video creators to license content. Um, it's an open marketplace. We connect contributors, 100,000 contributors globally from over 180 countries to customers in over 180 countries. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a great model. If, you, if, you, if you're a content creator, you can put all of your content online, whatever content you want to license to, uh, to other people, unused content or content you're very proud of, put it onto the marketplace. And when it licenses, you, you make revenue on that. So it's a, it's a great model. Um, I, I, um, I've been with the company for about seven years now. Um, I joined as a CFO seven years ago. Um, I was I was recruited by one of our investors, Excel Partners, um, who I'd worked with in a in a prior life as a consultant. And um, you know, it was very uh, it was it was it was a great opportunity, and I, I couldn't pass it up. So I joined, and it's been it's been a really really great ride. Perfect. So the first question I've got for you is, um, how did you become CEO? Right, you were the CFO. What was your secret sauce? Right, how did you? Uh... Um, yeah, what was it, would you say, that kind of positioned you to, for the top job? Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say, I, I wasn't really looking uh, to, to, to switch from CFO to CEO. Um, you know, it's one of those, you know, ideas that, you know, I said, well, maybe one or two jobs from now, I'd look at a CEO role. But I always thought I'd be a CFO for a while, you know, certainly during my time at Pond5 and 
probably even for the next job I looked up for, I looked at would probably be a CFO role. You know, I think we, we ran into an interesting time. This is, uh, you know, this is an interesting time, obviously, in all of our lives. In March 2020, when I took over, so that was just about two years ago now. Um, obviously, there were some changes going on in the world with the, the pandemic emerging. And we were about a week into the pandemic. I think we had just started working from home and we were home for about a week when uh, my, my former boss, the C- CEO at the time, um, you know, grabbed me and pulled me aside and said, you know, that he, he was leaving to take a different job. And uh, frankly, we were actually struggling. Um, you know, we had a, a little bit of an acute downturn with the, with the pandemic, as so many did. Um, it wasn't as bad as many businesses, um, you know, that I know in the mm. travel industry or hospitality that had a really tough time. But for us, we were down 20 or 30% overnight, and we were, you know, not sure how long that was going to last for. Um, and it was, uh, it was a little scary. And we were burning, burning some cash at the time, and we had to, you know, take actions. So, you know, at the same time, we were, we had to, we had to lay off some of our team members, including some of the, my fellow executives, and mm-hmm. kind of recast, um, you know, the business for the future, not knowing what the future would hold. So it was a difficult time while I was also transitioning on to become CEO. Um, and so we sort of worked through that. And luckily, you know, within a few weeks, actually within about a month, things had sort of returned to more normal, at least in terms of, you know, our revenue profile. And actually, we started to get a little bit of a benefit um, over, over the course of the summer as, you know, lockdowns persisted. And, and actually, people needed to come find pre-shot content, you know, because right. it was not as easy to go out and, you know, shoot what Recorded. you wanted to shoot as a, as a content creator. So ultimately, right. we actually ended up in, in a, you know, kind of coming out of it quite well. But it was an interesting transition, uh, you know, time, and certainly one I wasn't wasn't prepared for. Yeah. So um, I heard a couple of things. So you, you, it was pretty much overnight that well, it sounds like the CEO was going to resign. And what was? Why do you think you were kind of chosen as 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 the as the the, the replacement? You know, was it the finance background? Was it you know was, was that yeah, what was yeah. needed? Do you think, given the the complexities, what what was that? Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly had been there for, for a long time. At that point, I'd been there about five years. So I knew the business well. And, you know, I probably wasn't your traditional C, CFO. Um, you know, I wasn't someone who focused, you know, on closing the books and, and then sort of stopped there. I was definitely mm-hmm. the one who would, um, you know, find my way into every operational department in the company and, and either, either run it or help run it or at least be inquisitive about it. Um, you know, and I was also someone who was out, you know, doing a lot of the sales, salesmanship, you know, whether it's the um, partnerships and business development, um, you know, fundraising, things like that. So, so I had, I had the ability and I think I always had sort of more of the strategic interest. Um, so uh, yeah, mm. I, I certainly wasn't the only choice they, they could have picked, but they, but they did pick me. Well, I just want to stop on a second on that one, because I see this a lot in, you know, I work with um, management teams a lot and um, you've just described actually in a really nice way, what I call the cross-functional business leader hat. Mm. You know, most most executives, they have their functional manager hat, you know, finance, mm-hmm. HR, technology, operations, sales, marketing, whatever it is, uh, where they bring their expertise. And they have this cross-functional leader hat that I like to describe it as, where their business leaders, they're, they're getting inquisitive about what's going on. They're thinking about how to add value in, in across the business. They're joining the dots across the business. They, as you said, you, you said, I got inquisitive. I was in every department in the company looking at how we can do things differently, right? And I think yeah. that's that example of the cross-functional business leader hat uh, that actually resulted in you being probably a, a great choice for a CEO who has to have that hat all the time. And yeah. I, I think I, I just want to raise it because a lot of listeners, they might be really in their comfort zone in their domain of expertise. And I just want to make that point. If you want to become CEO, that is a um, that cross-functional hat is, is probably a key one. 
so I, I like the phrase of not being a traditional CFO, right? I mean, I think it's, um, I, I, had a, I was on a podcast yesterday around uh, with the marketing podcast and it was the same message. You know, it's like, don't just be a marketing specialist, be a business leader. You know, it's the same, the same message. So, okay, so you, um, so you, um, you come on to the company uh, in a bit of a difficult situation and you mentioned some layoffs. Were they things that you had to do almost as your first move as CEO? Yeah, I mean, it was it was together with my 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 former CEO. So we kind of put the plan together to you know together. Mm. Um, you know, obviously worked with our board on that as well. Um, but yeah, we had we had to lay out some of my of my colleagues on the executive team um, mm. and and some other relatively senior you know uh, leaders of the company, sort of the director level, mm. the VP level. So um, it affected all different levels, but it was definitely um, you know weighted towards the the higher end of the company. So mm. you know, we we sort of. Um, you know, we, we knew that we had our cost structure was too heavy for uh, a potentially uncertain environment going forward. And so we had to sort of, you know, take a look at that and say, where could we be much more efficient so that we mm -hmm. knew that we had, you know, the ability to be profitable, you know, in any environment. So we did yes. that. But it, it was a, it was a challenge. Obviously, we didn't know, you know, we, we thought we had good talent underneath uh, the folks that we were letting go. And so we were, had pretty high confidence in their ability to step up. But there's a lot of uncertainty when you go to people who are a little less proven, um, so yeah. had uh, less less track record and, and shorter resumes. Um, but I have to say, I mean, obviously, it came out, uh, you know, turned around very well. In fact, we sort of, you know, experienced a resurgence of, uh, of performance internally and and in our results. Um, and sort of, I, I sort of refer to it as almost like a talent unlock, you know, where we right. really, uh, you know, found this talent inside the organization and gave them, you know, the ability to. Uh, to operate freely and, and, and successfully. And it's, it's really been great, great for the organization. Yeah, so there's two sides to that. I mean, the first one is, did you find it difficult? Um, you know, it's difficult. It's not, it's not the, probably the move most people want to make is their first role as CEO is laying people off. It doesn't necessarily create the ambiance, the, uh, um, the, the message that you might want. So I just wondering kind of how did you, how did you deal with that? How was it received? Um, how did you... Yeah, it was, incredibly difficult. it was incredibly difficult, you know, I mean, I think there was, it was a time of great uncertainty for our company and for the world. And, you know, to try to do that in a way when we're all working from home, you know, so we are all, you know, suddenly sent back to our homes working remotely. So you're not in touch and you can't see and, you know, talk to your colleagues the same way. And then to have to deliver all those messages, not just to the people that were impacted, which was, was incredibly difficult, but also the rest of the company to try and keep the morale, um, mm. you know, together up and, and the team together. Mm. was uh, was very was very challenging uh, those 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 few weeks were very hard especially you know leading up to it when i think everyone sort of expected something was coming they didn't know what it was so there was sort yeah. of the, the air of uncertainty um you know mm. knowing that we had to do something um up until when we actually did it and then and then a few days afterwards but it, you know af afterwards after everyone sort of settles into the new reality and we started to see those glimmers of of, of hope coming back and the market coming back everyone started to actually rally around it. So right. it wasn't too long where, you know, it went from, you know, very, very bleak and, and dire to, uh, to actually, you know, really optimistic, you know, within, within a month or two, it was actually quite remarkable. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was a hard, hard initial phase, but then kind of things came around and uh, was there anything that you did afterwards to kind of try to increase morale or, or, or give a new light, at least of energy, you know, what, what was something you did there to, um, to help the company get past that? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, the, the main thing we did was, was try and reach out and talk to people, you know, um, you know, cause especially in this sort of remote first environment where we're all from home, 
there's no outlets in life, right? Because during yeah. this time, March and April, you couldn't even leave your house really. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we were all operating on video only, but making sure that, you know, I, I was probably talking to 10 or 15 people from the company a week for the course right. of three or four weeks, you know, while we were kind of going through this transition. And I had all of my other co-leaders doing the exact same thing so that we were getting to everyone from one or two angles, very, you know, over a pretty short period of time and people are feeling connected, right? So I think, just that feeling of connection is, is incredibly important. And we've continued that, you know, obviously not to the same extent, but, you know, making sure that, you know, you're reaching out to somebody, someone you don't normally talk to in your everyday, you know, um, you know, work, work, but, uh, but still feeling connected to people in a way that we can't when we're, we're not in offices. Yeah, I love that. And what about the, um, the unlocking the talent piece? Because you, you mentioned that unlocking the talent. What was that process? I mean, I understood that there's some senior people who are gone, so there's a bit more space, but like, Again, what what did you do? Do you think to help unlock that talent? Yeah, well, I, I think first it's it's identifying some people that you know in your organization that you know have you know talent uh, a talent level that's uh, that's particularly high, and then putting them in a position where you know their resume may not dictate they should be there yet. You know, uh, maybe premature on on paper, but saying you know what, let's see what this person can do in this role, um, and we did that probably across. 10 or so roles, maybe 15 relatively senior roles and all the way down the organization, it's really multi-level, uh, you know, giving people, giving people that ability to just try something new. Um, in some cases, we took them from one function and put them in a function they have no, had no, knew nothing about. We're like, this is a talented person. This person likes can hustle and we're going to see what they can do. And I'd say nine times out of 10, they sort of impressed us, you know, and, yeah. and looking back. So, you know, I, I always like to say one piece of advice I always say is, you know, hire the person, not the resume. Because if you get good people, they'll figure everything else out yeah it's um i think it's a really interesting point right you give people a challenge and you really um you know that excitement level rises right and and the commitment and if they feel that they've got ownership of that then the commitment level rises and um i think you know actually having people who are bored and complacent in their role um it doesn't even it doesn't serve them, doesn't serve the company, right? But it can be easy to get into that because it feels at least safe, at least you know, exactly. you need yeah. to know what you're going to get. Yeah, so it's a fascinating. So, so let's sort of move on and talk about the surprises. So, um, you obviously you knew the company already. You know, you've been CFO for many years. What were some of the surprises? What was surprising about about the CEO role that perhaps you weren't expecting when you signed up? Well, I mean, I think the thing I was not looking forward about being the CEO was was all the company meetings, um, you know, just like, you know, hosting an all hands meeting or talking about HR policies and work from home and, you know, pandemic rules and regulations. Mm. And that's the kind of stuff that I was like, am I going to have to do this? Is this is this is this my new job? And uh, and it hasn't been as bad as I thought it would be. So that's that's been good. Um, you know, thankfully, I have a good team that helps me prepare a lot of that stuff, So. Um, that, that helps a lot, but, you know, also I think, you know, talking to people is something that I actually do really enjoy. And even if it's, you know, talking to a group, you know, the company, um, and, and trying to, you know, make it an interactive discussion is something that I, I think I can do pretty well and I try and do. Um, and so that, that's been, that's been actually pretty good. Um, obviously there's been lots of challenges on the business side as well. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, one, one thing I've been surprised by is sort of the, just the, the rigors of, of, of business, you know, um, you know, when you're the CEO, it's, um, you know, the, the, the full weight of what's going on with the company, the successes or the lack thereof, or just the impatience of, of results, 
really weighs on you, you know, and, uh, you know, I think we're, we all live in sort of a, a, we operate in a competitive environment. You realize that the competition is booming just as fast as you are. Um, and, uh, you always have to kind of be out thinking them and out outpacing them or else you fall behind. It's Richard here with a quick interlude. As part of my coaching and advisory work, I often work with leaders who have recently taken on the CEO role. It's a big leap from the comfort zone of functional leadership or business unit management. And it opens up a whole new set of stakeholders, pressures, decisions, and responsibilities. I found that there are three key things that will make a huge difference in those first quarters. Number one, balancing the operational and the strategic, what I call CEO focus. Number two, establishing credibility, what I call CEO presence. And number three, managing stakeholders, those CEO conversations. I've written a short email series that goes into more detail on the transition to CEO and how you can practically sharpen your CEO focus, solidify your CEO presence and master your CEO conversations. It's insightful and it's entirely free of charge and you can register for it by going to xquadrant.com forward slash go forward slash curve. Now, back to the conversation. Yeah, you said that weighs on you. It's how do you how do you manage that? Is that um, that's something you find it easy to leave behind when you leave the office, so to speak? Well, not that there is an office anymore; everyone's at home. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, how have you kind of managed that stress level? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I you know, my big outlet is probably exercise, even if it's at home. You know, I, mm. I do like to exercise, and I think that really kind of gives me a break from from whatever I'm thinking about. But I'm also, I am always on, like, I'm, I'm definitely that personality that, uh, you know, doesn't fully shut off. Like my, my downtime is still thinking about something um, that's work related, you know? Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it is a challenge. It's a challenge for me for that reason. Yeah. It's funny. One of the things that I have um, on my desk, um, I can probably hold it up. I'm not sure people will see it if they're, not, if they're on the uh, podcast, but I have a little snail, uh, which is to remind me uh, to slow down to speed up you know and yeah, and yeah. Um, um because often there's so much things going on and we can run really fast and just yeah. being able to slow down is important and as you said switching off is another is another one um so you talked about the impatience of results is that your impatience or is that like investors and, and pressure on you from x outside um you know i'd say it's primarily my my self-driven um, mm. pressure you know I, my, my investors have always been very supportive through through great times and, and tough times they've, they've mm. always been supportive so I, I can't really fault them for anything other than uh, you know the, the normal level of, mm. of, uh, of of scrutiny but uh, no it's all self-driven you know you, you know the pressure in this world to, to grow faster be more profitable you know serve both sides of our marketplace because we have both customers and suppliers yeah. serve our employees to make sure they're they're progressing that's probably the one that I actually probably take the most seriously actually is the employee employee responsibility you know when right. you hire smart ambitious people you have the responsibility to continue to challenge them and right. if you don't you lose that that edge that they you know you're benefiting from so mm. you know I, if i had to say i'd lose sleep for one thing it's probably mostly my employees you right. know and, and, and keeping them going yeah yeah it's um it's interesting the um 
you know, we, when, when we're trying to measure our progress, you know, often we're always looking forward to all, all that we can achieve. And there's this kind of gap, right, that's ahead of us. They call it the wall, you know, it's all the stuff we haven't yet done. And uh, I think that can weigh down on people, especially um, when people are visionary and they have an idea of where, where we want to be and everything else. And that can really be weighed down. And I often say it's great to create that vision to be inspired by and to set plans for. But then it's really important to measure the progress and look backwards to measure progress. How far have we come? Yeah. Right. Because yes. otherwise, you on a game you can never win because that horizon keeps going further and further back. Right. And um, it's like you take I take my kids walking on the mountainside, <laughs> um, they're in the car park. They don't want to get out. It looks far too daunting. Right. They yeah. get up a, ten minutes later. They get to look down at down at the car park, and they're really happy at their progress. But if you show them right. again how far they've got to go, yeah, it's depressing. So one hundred percent. I love that actually. You know, that's another thing that surprised me is um, you know I think. As a as as a CFO and as a business analyst, kind of coming up to the ranks, I never really appreciated the importance of strategy setting for an organization. You know, for me, it was always decision by decision, make good decisions, and then you'll end up in a good spot. You know, toward right. taking it day by day. And then as a CEO, I sort of realized, um, and I was probably led to this conclusion by by other people, but like, you know, if we don't set a course for people, they won't know which direction to run, and then they'll end up being less efficient in in, in their path to get there. Um, and, you know, we've done a lot in the last two years about really trying to set a, a clear strategy. Um, and that includes, by the way, looking backwards and saying, well, this is how far we've come. This is where we've been successful. This is yeah. where we have not been successful. And then because of those two things, where we've been successful doing more of that and fixing the, the, the weaknesses we have, that results in our strategy, you know. And, and I think that's also been an unlock for us, too, is helping to set that course so people on the ground can make those individual day-to-day -day decisions without having to, you know, surface every issue up through the, the, the leadership ranks. Um, so that's yeah. also been, you know, one, a surprise to me as someone who, who probably never really appreciated that kind of coming up myself, but also, you know, in terms of how it's turned out. Yeah, I think it's right. I mean, giving that um, the context people to figure out the right decisions for them to make yeah. is one thing. And then I think as well, the other one is, which is really hard is to help people figure out what's not so important, right? And that's a hard one mm -hmm. because often we, you know, I say companies can have strategies instead of strategies, you know, they just have, they smatter all these ideas and hopes and ambitions. Uh, or it's actually strategy is a knife. I mean, it's a laser, it focuses in, it's, uh, right. it's trying to uh, get to the essential, uh, which mm -hmm. is quite a hard process, right? And often people want to go quick and get a quick decision and get a simple answer. And actually, yeah. getting to the, you know, getting to simplicity often means going I, through complexity and, and and i can't believe how much time i've spent helping to craft that you know like that was that was a thing that i could not have imagined spending as much time on something like this you know uh this this document effectively that mm. you know we can all can all kind of agree to and sign up to um but you know i really do believe it's it's had it's, it's worth its weight gold all that time spent because it's yeah. helping everyone else know what they should be working on and knowing what decisions to make and what to prioritize over something else mm. Yeah, so I've heard there one of your perhaps one of your top tips might for new CEOs might be around that importance of strategy, right, and spending time on that, yeah, and communicating that. What else would you advise for you know new CEOs in role? You know, what what would you recommend? How what, what, how would they? Where should they put their attention, or what habit should they build, or, or yeah. what, what would you suggest for them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think strategy is a good one. Um, you know, I think um, you know making sure you keep time for free thought you know, um, you know, rather than running from every day, meeting to meeting to meeting, um, you're going to do that, obviously, but you also have to make sure you have the time to step back 
and really make sure you're kind of thinking about, you know, again, are we adhering to our strategy? Should we be evolving or changing our strategy at all? Um, should I be taking, you know, uh, this external call or that external call? Should I be talking to this person in our organization? You need the time to even think about what you want to do so you can do it, you know, so you, yeah. you know what I mean? So I need to, because ultimately there's, there's not enough time in the day to do all the things that you should do. So you have to prioritize what are the three or five things you want to get done each day or each week um, that can be a path to that. So I think uh, free thought and prioritization is, is absolutely key. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. It's um, it, and it's people often struggle. You know, I, I, many of my clients, you know, they're CEO at the top of their game, they're creating amazing things, but they're all, you know, they're all need that, you know, what they don't yeah. get enough of normally is, time to strategize time to reflect time to have their thinking challenged get out of their own bubble that's right um open themselves up to serendipity you know i, I like to say to people it's like we're often not focused enough and we're too focused <laughs> um what i mean is it's really easy to get focused in on tunnel vision you know on doing the things that we thought we need to do but actually we're not opening ourselves up to a random conversation with a possible partner or uh we're not opening ourselves up to um those things or having time to think about some of those shifts that you just mentioned which at the time doesn't feel like an efficient use of time does it you know if you're you know if you're having some you're thinking until you've made the decision it doesn't feel like it's particularly useful right uh especially when you're kind of an action orientated kind of individual um but it's the game-changing moments often it's where you make one decision find one opportunity that opens up a whole new possibility exactly yeah so let's let's move into our um um kind of uh, quick fire questions um uh, i think it's always interesting to kind of um think about some of the resources and um and inputs that, that are going on in the minds of ceos so the first one is what's the kind of a favorite quote that you know you might apply to your own leadership or something that inspires you or that is a bit of a watchword for you um to think about the quote. Um, I, I've always liked the quote. Maybe this is more of a funny one, but you know, um, this can work at any any dollar amount. But I'll, I'll use millions, a million here, a million there. Before you know it, you're talking about real money. <laughs> it works with it works with the federal government here in the United States with yeah. trillions, but uh, it's even better then. <laughs> I've got it. What about what about a favorite app? Like, what's an app that you use on your phone that is like a key source of your productivity or enjoyment or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Well, my productivity probably happens a lot around Slack. We we, we certainly in, at Pond Five we use we use Slack a lot for mm -hmm. for communications and for you know productive communications as well as sort of just the banter, uh, mm -hmm. the office banter, which is incredibly important I think to morale too to keep the book connected. So I'm a big fan of Slack. Um, Personally, I also really use the the Audible app. I love listening yep. to you know books on tape, um, you know sort of uh, recorded books just to uh, you know again to unplug a little bit. I do it while I'm exercising, so try and get two things done at once. Um, so those are probably two apps that I like a lot. Yeah, perfect. Um, how about a book? What's a book that's uh, influenced you, uh, your you or your leadership? It might be an audio book, right? But what what uh, what comes to you? You know, I actually haven't read a lot of uh, leadership books in in on you know, read or, or listen to. Um, so I can't say I do that, but I do talk to a lot of people. That's definitely something that I do like to do. I like to keep in touch with other, other CEOs and other leaders 
and get their advice, you know, mm. um, and it helps kind of frame, frame the way I, uh, I, I, I act and, and look. Yeah, perfect. Okay. Uh, what about, um, what advice would you give to your 20 year old self? Um, you know, I, I, I think, I think, you know, this is probably, this is not just for me. I think this is for everybody, but you always say, I want to get to this next level because, you know, I won't have a boss. You know, I want to work for myself. And like, you know, people always think is like, once you get to CEO, you definitely don't have a boss, right? I think that's always interesting. Um, you know, my kids certainly believe this, uh, that, you know, you don't have a boss, daddy. Um, I do have a boss. In fact, I have more bosses than anyone right now. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I have my employees, I have my customers, I have my suppliers, I have my partners, I have my investors, of course, and my board. There, there is an infinite number of bosses. So, yeah. and every one of them gets to vote every single day with their feet of whether they approve of your, of your, uh, your of your yeah. performance or not so um so don't don't do anything because you think you're not gonna have a boss because everyone has a boss <laughs> yeah it's a great point and it's actually about the complexity of stakeholders right um right. if you think about work is contributing you know you're contributing to people then the question is what's the scope of the people to whom you're contributing right and if you are if you're in a lower down the organization you might just be contributing into your direct boss right. but when you're in the ceo you know you clearly you've got responsibilities towards a whole bunch of people, as you said. Um, you have to look at the role as, and this is any role really, any leadership role, your job is to serve, right? Your job is, mm. to, is to serve the people that you're leading, right? And make their jobs easier, make their decisions clearer. Um, yeah. And that's, that's, that's the job at any level, I think. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. So what about, um, last question is, is really just, you mentioned that you're in touch with a lot of CEOs. Um, I'm always interested because many of our best guests from, on the show come from referrals. So, you know, is there anybody that inspires you, you know, who's an impactful CEO, um, you know, who you think, um, yeah, who's, what inspires you that, that might be an interesting guest? Um. I don't know. I'll have, to, I'll have to think about that one. No worries. One. I, I definitely, I definitely have some friends that would that would be interesting. Okay. Well, we can take that offline. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So those are quick fire questions. The the last part is really to think about your next level, right? So first of all, for the business uh, for Pond Five, where do you want to go from here as a business? Yeah. I mean, I think um, we, uh, you know, we focus every day on on growing to be as as big as big and useful to our to our, um, to our market as, as possible. Um, you know, I think, like I said, we serve both sides of a marketplace, customers and, and, and suppliers, contributors onto the site, and we have to keep them growing for, in lockstep. Um, so, you know, I, I'm very motivated by seeing the success of, of our artists that contribute to Fond5. And, you know, every time I see new content come online that I think is really interesting and expands what we have, and I know that will connect with the future customer, that, that really keeps me motivated. So. Seeing that success through both sides of a marketplace, customers that love to come to the site and 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 get what they need, um, and really have a delightful experience while they're there, and then the the artists that see the success and basically run their own businesses through Pond Five, that's that's really really meaningful to us too. So, seeing that growth on both sides of the marketplace is enough to keep me motivated. Um, so, and it all comes through that sort of growth metric that we that we have um, because that means everyone's getting getting more money. Yeah, perfect, and and. As you grow the business, what do you feel is will be your personal stretch, right? What's what are you going to have to do differently to actually multiply your own impact to you know to to lead at a higher level in the business? Now you've been in the role mm -hmm. a couple of years. Where's the growth for you? Do you think? 
Yeah, I think it's um, it's it's still balancing sort of the internal and external objectives um, and and growth growth drivers, right? You know, before I would spend a lot of time doing business development activities, um, you know, um, talking to partners and getting partnership deals done. And you know, obviously, we have a business development team that that does most of that now. I'm less involved with that than I used to be. I still can stay involved a bit, but I can't be, you know, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I can't, I can't spend more than X percentage of my time on on those deals themselves. So, no. you know, I think um, trying to balance the really strategic um, and maybe low probability type deals that you might work on from time to time, but that can be transformational when you get them done. Um, it's hard to balance those types of objectives. The are the urgent uh, from the important, right? As they, as I think it was Eisenhower that said, right? Yeah, uh, that's a that's a tough tough thing to balance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's actually the, the hard one is um, is it's you know people often say let me focus on the urgent and important ones, but that's like known as firefighting. You know, is people mm-hmm. don't realize it's like exactly. people think that's that's the, feels like it's the obvious place to go. But if you're spending your time there, then basically. You know, firefighting, it sounds heroic. It's kind of almost come to be a bit heroic in business, like I'm just been firefighting and sorting right. things out. It sounds like I'm a macho, you know, firefighter, right? But, you know, uh, but actually it's terrible when things are burning down, right? It's thing, terrible when you have to drop everything to deal with something. Right. And um, I think that idea of, you know, how do you get onto the front foot, right? How do you build things strategically and solve the problems ahead of time so that they right. don't require people to drop things the and get firefighting the exactly no one likes yeah. fighting fires even firefighters don't like fighting fires uh, or maybe they do but uh <laughs> but, but we certainly <laughs> don't have companies <laughs> no. you know um and uh you know i think that that's the kind of thing that brings stress to to work environment and we've 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 had our share of fires over the years but limiting those like you said and getting in front of the issues makes everyone's you know work existence much more peaceful and, and predictable yeah absolutely well, hey, uh, Tom, it's been great speaking uh, with you. Um, if people want to find more about you um, or about Pond5, how do they best do that? Yeah, I mean, uh, our website is www.pond5.com. Very easy to find. Come on and, uh, you know, let us know you found us on, uh, on this podcast. We'd, we'd love, to, love to work with you or just come, come and take a look at our site. We're also on, on all the social media channels as well under Pond5. Perfect. Well, hey, Tom, it's been great speaking with you. Um, I think I've really enjoyed the conversation. Um, especially, you know, thinking about what it means to kind of become CEO from this non, non-traditional CFO, uh, as you described it, and then talking about some of those tough, tough decisions that you, you had to make as you came on, about releasing talent. I think it's been a really rich conversation. So thanks again, and um, look forward to staying in touch. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level? as you lead others, who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level. If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.